Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. We're going to call this my white flag, so I surrender. Um, I give up the task of the preacher is to communicate the word, and here I am in a movie theater, right? And you've already watched a couple movies. <laughs> and so I thought about that as I was walking up here, like, oh man. And as preachers, you're often judged by your entertainment value. Um, you know, well, I just really didn't get fed. Uh, so your mind is already in a certain place. You're sitting in these plush, I mean, they redid these chairs from when I was in high school, so those are nice, like they lean back. So if I get super boring, I expect some of you to fall asleep. And, it, you know, you're already, your mind, when you walked in here, you're expecting to be what? Entertained. That's what this room does. Your brain has already been sending messages saying, oh, you know what, you're in a movie theater. So where are the Mike and Ikes? And where are the Whoppers? Because... You're missing a few parts of this equation here. And why are you dressed like that? And why did you just watch those kinds of videos? Why are you thinking about praying? And So, so your, mind, your mind is trying to deal with all these sorts of things. I'm going to back up. Is that what you need me to do? There we go. I feel so far from you. So I was like, oh, maybe they'll sit in the front. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You're in a movie theater. Who wants to sit in the front, right? Awesome. Um, but if you have a Bible, uh, please scroll or tap to Romans 12. If you're super traditional, you can flip pages to the book of Romans. There, you can hold up your hand if you need a Bible. I think we have some ushers that could deliver one to you. Uh, or you could download one on your phone. Uh, anyway, we are in this series called Renovation. And... If you haven't already guessed, we're going to be talking this morning about renovating your mind, renovating your mind. And I want to talk about um, habits before we get into the scripture, uh, Romans chapter 12, hold it there on your phone or in your Bible. Uh, And I, I know that as soon as I say that idea about renovating your mind, renewing your mind, changing your mind, some of you have already checked out. Like, let's just dim the lights and put on Interstellar or whatever else they have up in that library and call it a day because I don't know if my mind can be changed. Because some of you have been living in certain patterns where you feel like, yeah, I think, I think I'm stuck here. This is just me. Uh, so we give up. We wave the, the white flag before we even begin. And my hope today is that we can talk a little bit about how your brain is wired and how it works and the fact that we can actually renovate our minds uh, through the power of God. So um, if you have already been thinking about what movie is going to be playing, I do not fault you. I'm right there with you. I get bored by myself talking sometimes, so if you're waiting for a movie, it's just because your brain has told you that's what you're supposed to have, that's what you're supposed to be doing here in this theater. So I was reading in the the book, The Power of Habit. Has anybody read this book? 
not a single per- Jeremy Clements, one person. The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. I cannot over-recommend it. Great book. Uh, but he talks about the way we live and how our brains work. And I shared this with you, it was months ago, when I talked about every time I come to branches, there's donuts. And you can smell donuts, okay? Just sugar, there's that much sugar that you can just smell it. And, and when I walk in, I'm like, oh, the chocolate-covered old-fashioned. That's my weak spot. I mean, you may have your jelly-filled or glazed or whatever it is. But chocolate-covered old-fashioned and just keep them away from me. Uh, but my brain is already thinking chocolate-covered old-fashioned branches. They're like synonymous, okay? So when I show up here, I'm thinking, oh. And when I don't get it, my brain is like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we had a deal here. When you come to this place, there are chocolate-covered old-fashioned donuts. And so there's this sort of letdown. And your brain may be going through a let, like, whoa, hey, you know, we saw Avatar here, and it was awesome. (laughs) Why are we listening? The only time that you're up, the only time the lights are up and you're listening to some dude talk from right here is when it's like, we've been experiencing some technical difficulties, and uh, we'll have the theater, uh, the film up as soon as can, possible. Some guy never talks to people, right? And he disappears through like one of these doors that nobody ever goes out. So, yeah, I've already got all these things working against me in that sense. But that's just understanding how your mind works. Your habits. Uh, He talks about uh, this guy, Charles, in in The Power of Habit. He says, the problem is your brain can't tell the difference between bad habits and good habits. So if you have a bad habit, it's always lurking there. It's waiting for the right cues, the rewards that you give yourself. So the bad habit for me is eating the donuts the reward is, ah, oh, sugar high. And then the punishment comes later in this sort of region. Um, so anyway, as we talk about renovating our minds, I thought it would be a good idea to talk about what we're made up of. Okay, so we're going to do a little bit of physiology, some biology. Okay, uh, so if you fell asleep in biology and science and physics, we're going to do a little review here. Um, Like he said, some of us put down the pen years ago and stopped learning. And what we need to do is pick it back up. So you, my brothers and sisters, are made up of atoms, right? We all agree on that? Made up of atoms, right? And uh, very complex creatures that we are. Uh, We are made up of roughly 7 billion, billion, billion atoms. You are made up of roughly 7 billion, billion atoms. That's a big number. Like if you think of what is 10 tens, that's 100. What's a billion billions? That's a lot more. And then like a billion, billion, billions. And then seven of those. That's you. That's how many atoms that you are made up of. Science has taught us that, that atoms are very small. We, th- we at one time thought that the atom was the smallest unit of matter, the, smart- the smallest particle of matter, right? Uh, that's why it's called an atom. It was atemnos. It was that which cannot be divided any further. It was indivisible. But then science like kind of moved a little further. And what did we learn? If you, saw, if you sat in science class, you were like, oh, man, this atom's not the smallest thing. There's a nucleus in there, the nucleus. And then in the nucleus, there was the electrons rotating what we thought orbiting, but now we're thinking, oh, they're quantum leaping and they're appearing in one place and disappearing and reappearing in the other and they're not traveling the distance in between. So we have in the nucleus, what? Is anybody, any, what's in the nucleus? There's two protons and neutrons. Yes, 
Okay. Good. So good. Now, those are what we call subatomic particles. This is you. You are made up of these protons, neutrons, electrons. This is how God said, hmm, let's do some protons, some neutrons in a nucleus. And then the electrons around that. But in those protons, what I started to learn was there's some more stuff, guys. It gets smaller. And I was looking in the proton, which is a subatomic particle. They've now identified 150 different subatomic particles. Okay? In the proton, you have two up quarks and a down quark, which are surrounded by a cloud of gluons. A cloud. There is a cloud inside a proton, inside an atom. And there's 700, there's 7 billion, billion, billion of the atoms. And there's a cloud inside one tiny particle of each atom. A cloud. You know how many many particles are in a cloud? Just a regular, like, cloud made of H2O? And then there's a cloud inside the proton. And my mind is like, oh, I can't hold it. (laughs) It's too much. What is that? But for me, it's like, man... Our creator God is creative, isn't he? I mean, who could think this stuff up? You are a complex collection of matter, of gluons and quarks and protons and nucleus and all that kind of stuff. And the most complex system in the entire universe that's debated, it's, this is debated but often agreed upon by scientists and physicists, the most complex system in the universe exists between your ears. Okay? Your brain, that we say we use about 10% of the power of our brains, something like that. You've heard that little statistic before. Uh, That's disappointing for me. It's like, man, I want like the whole night, I want the whole hundred, I want 90 more. Because what could we be doing? How could we be living? What are the possibilities that open up? And I think Jesus often illustrated like what some of those possibilities were. Like, oh, you thought that you had to swim in that stuff? <laughs> Watch this. Water, walking on it, no big whoop. Okay, so this is understanding how matter works. Okay, you are, your brain, your consciousness is a mystery. The fact that we find any of this remotely interesting, or at least I do, is a mystery. Where is it stored? If we were to break you down to the smallest atom, which would be very painful, but if we were to divide you down to the smallest atom, where would we find your self-worth? On what gluon is encoded the time where you had your heart broken? On what quark would we find your sense of enjoyment of life, your joy? Where is that written? It is a mystery, okay? A tremendous mystery. So we're made up of atoms, which make up molecules. They get bigger. And then the molecules make up cells. And the cells make up systems or tissues. And those tissues make up your brain. You with me so far? Okay. Now the brain has neurons. We're getting really scientific today. You thought you were coming to church, but you came to science class. (laughs) Reordering your mind again. So your brain has neurons, neural pathways, and we have the ability to learn new things and to forget other things. Okay, this is called neuroplasticity. Say neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity. 
Anybody heard of that before? Neuroplasticity. Yeah, look, a lot of you. See, you should be up here teaching. Neuroplasticity. I'm just a preacher. I don't know. You know, no, I'm good. I love this stuff. So when we make changes in neural connections, it's called neuroplasticity. We have these brains and our neurons. And at the ends of our neurons are these little, like, branches. Eh? Branches. <laughs> and I'm not lying here. Called dendrites. And so if you studied this, in any kind of biological form, you study the brain, the dendrites, they reach out and they hit these axons and there's that synapse, right? You've heard of the synapse. And so the synapse happens and you have this thought. Hmm. That's amazing. I had a thought. It's very easy to understand except that it isn't. Uh, so let me just illustrate this for you. I thought there might be actually people in the front row, but they're not. So I'm coming up here. So adjust. Let me just pull this away and I'll talk really loudly. Okay, so if I have a thought, here, I'm going to stand right here. Excuse me. Chris, I'm sorry. Why don't you just put this in your hand? Just like that. So I have a thought like, you know what? God just loves me, and it connects, right? But, oh, it doesn't hold on. It doesn't hold on the way I want it to. But I have this other thought, you know what? I lost my job today, and I think God is angry with me. And you just hold on to that thought right there, right? Have you ever had that thought like, ah? Oh, you know what? I lashed out at my kids, and God was not happy about that. Oh, and you know what? I didn't get the second interview that I was hoping for in my job, and God was definitely not happy about that. He must be angry with me. I must have done something wrong or to displease him. And I finally la I lashed out at my wife, and he was certainly not angry, uh, not happy with that, because now I still don't have a job. My kids are upset with me. My wife is upset with me. And I'm feeling worse and worse about how God feels about me. And I have that thought again. And it's all there. And then when I try to pull away, that thought is a lot stronger as it has connected and built more pathways in your brain. They all build on top of each other. And it's, so when someone says, hey, God's not upset with you. And you're thinking, oh, okay, that's a great thought. But it just comes right out because you know what i have this really complex and interconnected web of thinking about how god actually is angry with me thank you everybody this is like a neuron by the way it's a rope neuron <laughs> okay back down here all right now over time these dendrites they get stronger, actually. They get thicker. They grow more powerful, and the, the synapses and the movement is faster. Okay? So those thoughts about yourself and about how God feels about you actually come more readily, and they become like a belief. Okay? They almost become subconscious, the way you think about God in general. Is that how you think about God? Is God ultimately angry with you and that you would have to somehow appease him is that your conception and in that video it was like oh actually that's not my the definition of who i am is he angry with you how do you think about him now stronger thoughts have thicker dendrites more complex neural pathways so when you lose your job there may be a neuron in your brain that has that certain conception of God 
your conception of God in your consciousness may be like, I have to figure out how to get God on my side. And that goes, that form of consciousness goes way back. How do we get the gods on our side? So we offer the first fruits of our, our crop to the gods. And if the next crop is good, then the gods must have liked that. So we offer it again. But if the next crop is bad, we didn't offer enough. And you never have any idea. You cannot know how you stand with this God. But that's not our God. The God revealed in Jesus Christ, you can know where you stand with that God. That is fabulous. So another way to think of this is like a a river running, okay, like a stream of thought. You know, you've had like these streams of thought. You've heard that metaphor. Well, over time, those streams, they dig down, okay, and you have banks on either side. And so when you want to have a new thought, it has to climb the banks and get out of that normal pathway, okay? Now think of what Grand Canyon-sized grooves do you have in your own brain about who you are and about how God feels about you that are simply not true. That God is in fact not angry with you, but is moving toward you in love at all times. For that stream to leap out of the Grand Canyon requires great work on your part. Okay? Uh, Anything, just think this, anything you think affects your brain. And anything, anything you think of repeatedly affects your brain more. It strengthens the ropes. It strengthens the web. Okay, it makes them thicker and faster at transmitting messages. And let me tell you why this is so important. Uh, Let's read now, if you're actually there, Romans 12. I've given you at least 10 minutes to turn there. So even if you've never seen a Bible before, you should have been able to get to the contents and everything like that. Uh, Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, Paul writing to this church in Rome, full of probably Romans, right? Part of the empire, the greatest empire that existed to this time. So I appeal to you, my brothers and sisters in America, the greatest empire in history. Okay, the most powerful empire in history, hands down. To present your bodies, all your atoms, as a living sacrifice. Now, we don't know what that means because we don't do sacrifices. Or if you do, uh, wow. Um, <laughs> Tell us, please. Um, Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is your worship. You have to rewire your brain because, no, no, no. Worship is the electric guitar, dude. You know, and a worship is someone singing. And worship is when I sneak out early. And worship is, you know, when, what is worship? So you have to reorder your brain, presenting your whole body, all your atoms. Do not be conformed, it says, to the pattern, or do not be conformed to this world. Or uh, the Phillips translation, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Okay, but 
Rather, be transformed by the renewing, or let's go with renovation, the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, I tell you all about this because I want to tell you one thing that I want you to leave here believing, that you can change your mind. You can change your mind. You can renew your minds. You can change your minds. You know why I think this? Apart from Paul saying, hey, I want you to renovate your mind. I want you to renew your mind. Uh, Then you'll know. I want you to renew your mind. Apart from Paul saying this, and I don't think Paul would tell us to do things that we couldn't do, uh, that were just simply impossible. But here's, here's one. One, you can change your mind because we used to think the world was flat. Okay, that if you just sailed too far, you know, and you're gone. We used to think the world was flat. Two, we used to think the earth was the center of our system, right? People died over this. It was called heresy when the earth was not at the center. They were executed for another idea that the sun might actually be at the center of this whole deal. But no, it's just out there past Venus. It just sounds absurd now. Uh, uh, three, we used to think that s- the smaller your phone was, the more cool it was. Uh, anybody seen Zoolander? It was like, oh, look how cool his phone is because it's so small, right? That was like the cool thing. Uh, number four, we used to think it was okay to make a Crayola crayon called flesh and that it would only <laughs> represent a small portion of the population of Earth, not realizing how unbelievably discriminating and marginalizing that would be for people growing up. Hey, let's put this crayon in our kid's hand. This is flesh-colored. But wait, it doesn't match mine. We figured that one out. Uh, We used to think it was okay to have two different drinking fountains, right? This was normal. No one questioned this at first, right? This was just how it was. And finally, you used to be able to make racial comments about people that were derogatory and keep your basketball team. But now, if you're Donald Sterling and you make racial comments that are derogatory, you have to sell the Clippers, right? You can change your mind. Your mind has changed. Our minds have changed. And I would argue that they've grown, right? We have come a long way from those places, right? A couple other thoughts here. Uh, I had had mentioned this months back when when I preached here, but you can make a decision, but you have to make that decision over and over again. There's a a great Franciscan priest. um, His name's Richard Rohr. And uh, if you have an aversion to Catholics, start reading Richard Rohr, because he'll bring you back into the fold. Um, but he, uh, he says this. He says, we don't think ourselves into new ways of living. We live ourselves into new ways of thinking. Okay, let me just repeat that, because it's a little bit of a mind bender. We don't think ourselves into new ways of living. We live ourselves into new ways of thinking. Okay? How many of you just thought, thought, thought that you were going to exercise every day this year? 
And a few days into it, you're like, ha, 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 ha. you thought you were going to do that, but you didn't, okay? You actually have to do it in order to begin to think it, okay? You have to start working out. <laughs> and as you start to work out, it starts to change the chemistry in your brain. Like, oh, you are one of those people that gets up early to go work out. If you are not one of those people, your brain says you are not one of those people that gets up early to work out, Am I right? Any, anybody here, like me here, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to run one time around the block every week. <laughs> there goes that idea. Uh, you actually have to go run around your block, John, if you want to do that. Uh, now, here's how the brain works, and I, I think it illustrates that very thought. Here's how we learn. Uh, and I'm just putting it up here. Don't read it all because it's a lot, but if you want to read it all, you can. But if you look, step one, you need to, like, have some kind of interest. You have to have some kind of thought, some motivation, but then you start to practice and then you do advanced practice and then you have like some skillfulness in it and enjoyment and sharing and then you have like this refinement of it and improvement and then you finally master it. Okay, so you have to practice and then you practice more and then you refine it and then you begin to master it. Okay, and here's what we know about the short-term memory. Let's go ahead, two slides here. The short-term memory, if you learn something new and do it only once or twice, the dendrite connection is very fragile and can disappear within hours. Hours. That's so sad. Within 20 minutes, you remember only 60%. I will applaud you if 20 minutes after this service, you can remember 60% of what I say. And then if 24 hours, it's going to go down to 30 up. I hope that of the 30, you remember that you can change your minds. You can renew your minds, okay? But if you practice within 24 hours, meaning if when you go to lunch, you sit down with someone and say, hey, how about that? Did you know we're made up of 7 billion, billion, billion atoms? <laughs> Did you know there's a cloud of gluons in one of my protons? I didn't even know it was there. Do with it what you will. You must do something active, though. Explain it. Solve it. Draw it. Write it. Think it. Speak it. Listen to it over and over again. The dendrites only grow when you're doing something active. That's why I illustrated all those thoughts I was having was based on a particular kind of consciousness that I had about God, and I kept making it stronger and stronger. Now, I would argue that that is a bad way to think about how God views you, but it's there nonetheless. Okay? Now, one of the top ten reasons why you fail in your New Year's resolutions is because you don't believe in yourself. You don't. And now maybe you're just expecting God to zap you. <laughs> Fix me. <laughs> Make me work out against my will. <laughs> right? That's not how it works. It's not how he designed you. He didn't design you that way. Now, he designed you so that you could change. But that's not free will. You have to make the decision. You have to pick up your cross daily. That is your job. Okay? You have to let that ego die. You have to let some of these connections that are unhealthy die. And they do. Just so you know, they do die. When you don't feed them, 
they get weaker and weaker and weaker. And eventually, they die. Now, top 10 reasons why you don't change, you don't do your uh, New Year's resolutions because you don't believe in yourself. And I want to be careful here. I'm not saying that you're like God and that you should really believe in yourself for salvation. I'm not saying that. Uh, But if you don't believe in yourself in the realm of change, then you will fail. Okay? If you don't think you can change, then you probably won't. All right? If you don't think you can change, that means you probably have some strong and complex neural pathways that are keeping you stuck and you need to let die. Okay? And the good news is that when you stop engaging those thoughts and stop listening to those voices and start listening to the Holy Spirit and to God through the scriptures, you can actually change that stuff. And those bonds will break and die off and your brain, your brain will begin to heal. Now, Jesus was in the business of healing people, wasn't he? And I would argue their brains, renewing them, renovating them, restoring them. And his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, as we call it, if you haven't read it, you can read it in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. In that sermon, you'll hear him say over and over, what you heard people say was this, but now... What I'm telling you is this, and it's deeper and more profound and more life-giving. What you heard, you've heard it said that you shouldn't murder people. But hey, if you've got some anger issues, that will eat away at you as well. You've heard that you shouldn't commit adultery. But if you're looking lustfully at other women or men, that is going to eat away at you as well. Taking it deeper, the consciousness further, okay? trying to rewire people's brains, he thought they could actually begin to renew and change their minds. And I believe that for us and for you. So one of my favorite examples, and I sort of talked about it earlier, is when Jesus uh, comes walking out on the water and uh, meets the disciples. They're in the boat. They've already set out. And he's like, I'll catch up to you guys later. He just wants to stay and pray for a little while with his dad. And uh, so... They're out in the boat. He comes walking out on the water, and they freak out, right? And you do. You, freak, you shoot that guy. Like, who is that guy? On the, like, that is some kind of monster, like demon spirit. Like, shoot it, right? Like, wh- that's what they, I mean, they say that. Like, this is sort of, you know, maybe two, you know, second millennium talk here. But, but they're like, it's a ghost, right? And we're like, you're out in the middle of the lake and some dude's walking out there. You freak out, you know. He's got no stand-up paddleboard underneath him, no oar. He's just walking. Shoot that guy. What is wrong with him? <laughs> okay? And he says, hey, guys, chill out. It's me. That's the, uh, that's the literal translation. Um, and Peter has this moment, okay? And he says, hey, if it is you, if it's really you, tell me to come to where you are on the water. If you haven't read this story, it's fascinating. Tell me to come to where you are on the water. Now, the first time you have to remember Peter's journey, the first time Peter meets Jesus, he says, depart from me. I'm sinful. This time, Peter says, if it's you, tell tell me to come to you. Can you see how Peter's mind has changed? Tell me that I can think differently about how the world is ordered, about how I'm ordered. 
about how things were created, about how I was created. Tell me I can do it. And what does Jesus say? Come. You can do it. And in the story, I would just love to have been there. But Peter swings his leg over the boat. (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you reorder your mind like that? Oh, excuse me, guys. Just getting out here. (laughs) That's available to you. You can rethink your life, your mind. I love that. Now, we're going to watch a video. It's going to touch on some of the ways that we think, and then I'm going to come back up and close things, all right? So we're going to transition. Tremendously powerful video. Uh, Rob does such a great job breaking down the ways that we categorize ourselves and other people. And it's powerful how we hear certain words or see certain labels and say, that's me. Some of the words written on back of those shirts hit a little too close to home for some of you. They are a part of your story, but they are not what defines you. And some of them are lies. See, Jesus is longing to reveal to you more of who you truly are. And some of you have strong neural connections and pathways about who you are, and they're false. They're wrong. They're flat-out lies. And you need to rewire your brain. You need to rethink your life in the light of who God has said that you truly are. You need to wake up. Jesus went around saying, repent. You were walking this way, thinking these thoughts about who you are and how the world works, Turn and enter into a new way of thinking about the world and how everything is ordered. Some of you have strong neural connections and pathways in your brain about who God is and how he feels about you. And they are wrong. They are destructive. And they keep him at a at a distance. And you need to let those connections die. And you need to rewire rewire your brain through prayer and meditation on the scriptures that reveals a loving God. Uh, Just to close here, research from both doctors and scientists that are not medical doctors uh, say that if you meditate on a loving God for 30 minutes a day, you will actually change your brain. And a lot of research has shown that if you meditate at all, you can grow your hippocampus, part of your brain. It will actually grow. It's one of the few things that you can do, apart from exercise and diet, that will help your brain to continue to grow. Otherwise, your hippocampus, over time, shrinks. Okay? It's just science. I believe in science. No, I don't. Uh, 
But science reveals so much of how, our, how beautiful our God is and how he's created us. But your meditation on a loving God, according to these, these scientists and these doctors, will likely lead to a belief in a loving God. Whew, crazy thought. Which will in turn change your conception of yourself and of reality. And he says, and when this happens, when you begin to see the world differently, he says, according to one scientist who's done brain scans, it shows that you are less likely to get angry. You're less likely to be fearful. And you're more likely to respond in any situation with compassion. These are brain scans and scientists showing if you would meditate. And what, is, what are the scriptures that Rob even set out? Like, envy rots the bones. This is the language that the poets had. But it actually reveals how you are wired. Mysteriously. But you have to meditate on a loving God. So if you're taking notes, write down these passages. Colossians 3. Memorize it. The first, at least the first 12 verses. And you can memorize it. 1 Corinthians 13. You might have memorized it if you've been to enough weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is... Okay. Romans 8, at least the first five verses. And you can memorize it. Believe me, you, you can memorize this stuff and you can begin to change your mind. So I appeal to you, therefore, my brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You can change your minds. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, I pray that we have encountered the unexpected. Lord, you in this theater. <laughs> And amongst us, that you say, wherever two or more are gathered in your name, Jesus, there you are in the midst. And that blows our minds because we think you're in the places with steeples and stained glass. But when you are among two or three of us, Lord, that just is so new. May we believe that. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in here that are locked up in a deep, thick, interconnected web of lies about who they are, Lord, would you, in your power, give them the strength to practice new ways of thinking and new ways of living that might rewire their, their brain to the truth of your love for them and who they truly are, that they may be able to answer that question, who are you? Lord, give us strength to practice and practice some more. To meditate on your word. It is difficult, we know. Lord, give us strength. Help us to encourage one another in these practices of renovating our minds. That they might be more like yours. That we might become more like you. That might, we might respond more like you. With less anger, less fear, and more compassion.
I pray these things in the powerful name of your resurrected son, Jesus. And everybody said, amen.